Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You know, at the end of the day... Football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, 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 that, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. What is going on, Foxborough football fans? We got another episode of your favorite Daily Patriots Podcast. First in Foxborough, I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you are downloading, subscribing, listening, streaming on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. Got ourselves a little preview for this weekend's matchup between the Patriots and the Colts. And in order to do that, I, I brought in a guy that I met down at the Combine from my home state of Indiana, Mr. Nate Atkins of the Indy Star. What is going on, my man? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I remember meeting up the combine there. We talked about like it felt like, uh, you know, I mean, the Patriots are coming off a playoff appearance, and the Colts were, I think, a game behind them in the standings. And uh, lots has changed since then. That Colts were on Carson Wentz back then, so um, they're kind of in a weird quarterback situation, which I guess kind of both teams are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it was such an interesting situation even back then because that was right after um, the the Bears had gone ahead and hired Matt Eberflus, right? Mm-hmm. You know, former defensive coordinator of the Colts. So we were talking a little bit about that, seeing what was going on with that situation. And, I mean, I don't know what your perspective on this was, like when the schedules came out, because I thought 
hey, you know, a, a Matt Ryan team, uh, if, if he's anything remotely competent, he, like the Colts game could have been a tough one. for. I mean, it still can't, right? But the Colts game was going to be tough for the Patriots, in my opinion, because they beat the Patriots without a quarterback last year. Carson yeah. Wentz was horrible. But yeah, he had five completions that game. I'm <laughs> – I want to know how many times Bill Belichick's lost a game when an opposing quarterback had five completions. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem was that the Patriots' own quarterback was struggling, that being Mac Jones. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the downturn, so to speak, for Mac Jones and the Patriots heading into uh, the playoffs, which obviously did not go very well for them, though I would argue that wasn't about the quarterback. The defense couldn't force a punt. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that is what that is. But now let's fast forward a little bit to 2022. And we both kind of talked about it, um, you know, alluded to it on air and a little bit off air, just quarterback controversy all over the place for both of these teams, at least it feels like. And I just got to ask you, from where it was to start 2022 in training camp to where it is now, I mean, what the hell happened? I ask myself that at least once a week right now in this beat, uh, not just with quarterback, but a lot of parts of this team. Uh, just, just to kind of give some context, that, that game against the Patriots last year was one of the ones where it really showed the Colts they needed something more. They survived that game. They won because they got a blocked punt. They uh, they picked off – or they got a couple turnovers, and Jonathan Taylor just, just went absolutely nuts in that game. Ended it with a 67-yard run into a stacked box, one of the few times that Bill Belichick sold out to stop something and couldn't do it. But they realized, like, this isn't sustainable. And at the end of the year, you know, they lost to the Raiders and the Jaguars when the game was on Carson Wentz and he couldn't get it done. So the idea of spinning it forward to this year was that you have a team that had the NFL's leading rusher in Jonathan Taylor that had uh, seven pro bowlers, which is the most in football. They had the most all pros in football. Uh, they were top ten in turnovers. They had a receiver that everyone that, that looks like a budding star in Michael Pittman Jr., and everything was about the quarterback and they, they they kind of racked their heads about it for all off season. They finally end up on Matt Ryan and it feels like a perfect marriage. And it felt that way all the way up until really the season started. And then we saw, you know, in live action that some of the things we thought were going to be here for this team were, were not here. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, for example, has been out. Uh, defense is good, but it doesn't force turnovers the same way. It puts more pressure on the offense to score and, the, the offensive line just just has completely fallen apart. And that's really the story of their season right now is that Matt Ryan didn't play particularly well for the most part. He led the league in turnovers when he was out there, but he also was just constantly getting hit. I mean, he had uh, had led the league in sacks uh, at one point. All, all, most of his turnover, a lot of the turnovers were fumbles from getting hit. And that's extended to Jonathan Taylor has just disappeared. That, it's crazy to think of that Patriots game that there was a team that, with a defense like the Patriots stacked the box and they were just running down their throat. They can't do that on teams that put five guys in the box right now. They they're it's, it has gotten a little bit better the past couple of weeks, but Jonathan Taylor has not been himself. A lot of players have not been what they were last year. And really Matt Ryan was here at 37 years old to be like the point guard, to be like the, the older veteran who kind of kind of lead this talented team. It's not, it doesn't look like a very talented team at the moment. So uh, so it didn't work out really the model that they had. It still was absolutely shocking to see them give up on it after seven games and 
Now they're on to, you know, Sam Ellinger, who's a, a second year player who was drafted in the sixth round, had never played before. And um, it very much feels like they're trying to find lightning in a bottle, hope they find the next, you know, sixth round pick who comes out of nowhere and becomes something like uh, the team that they're playing this week. Yeah, you're, you're trying to find the next Bailey Zappi, Nate. Hey, uh, but, you know, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, they, they just don't look like a talented team right now. They've had issues with, uh, you know, getting anything going with their with their running game, and then they just traded Naeem Hines to the Bills. So now it's it's really kind of the, the Jonathan Taylor show, or at least that that's, looks like how it's going to be billed. Whereas, I mean, they had had this sort of two-headed monster of Jonathan Taylor and Hines coming in on, on third downs, being an electric passing threat right there. Now, I want to ask you, I mean, you, you talked about Matt Ryan, we talked about how the model hasn't worked out. Why do you think that is? Where would you place the blame for the offensive struggles? Offensive line, Matt Ryan, the offensive coordination, because they just fired Marcus Brady. So, I mean, clearly there's some, there might be some scapegoating happening. Like what, where do you place the blame? Yeah. The the decision this week to fire uh, Marcus Brady, it came as a surprise, especially they had just put in a new quarterback and obviously the offense is, really disappointed this year they're one of the worst in football but it, it was just a surprising move because he, he doesn't call the plays he really doesn't run the whole offense he had an important game planning role but uh, this is Frank Reich's offense ultimately and really it's just a lot of it I, I just think it all starts with the offensive line that in the in the tight end I should say really all the blocking elements of this team because last year they had the tight end and Jack Doyle who's a two-time pro bowl or a guy that Outside of Indianapolis, I don't think very many people know. But if you watch him here and you you talk to teammates, like that guy was just one of the all-time blockers, really. Yeah. I put him up there with – like he's the best blocking tight end I've ever covered. And not only skill-wise, but just the trust that he would bring Jonathan Taylor in the run game was huge. And then he'd help out the tackles. So all these things have kind of compounded where they lost him, they lost two other stars in the offensive line. The guys they replaced them with have not been – good at all other guys shockingly have regressed I mean Quentin Nelson has gone from you know what looked like the best lineman in football to just really an average player and it's just kind of gone that way for the entire offensive line so Matt Ryan you know it's just he's he's 37 years old and you know he's you know he's he's losing a little bit of arm strength as it is and the idea here the reason he wanted to come here was that they thought they'd have the offensive line at least on the interior where he would be able to step into throws and get the most out of the arm he has it wasn't going to be obviously anything like Josh Allen but they thought it could be something that could get the ball 25 yards down the field and especially when teams would stack the box against Jonathan Taylor like Bill Belichick tried to do and, and lost on that play and a lot of teams were doing that is that that would make it easier for Matt Ryan to throw down the field. The problem is the offensive line has been so bad and the run blocking so bad that teams don't stack the box at all. They just sit back. They let everything come underneath and they still blow up the run game with only like five players. And they just don't know how to get around this. And that, that has just been kind of the issue. They ended up going with Sam Ellinger, who's a more mobile quarterback, really to, it felt like a desperate move to, have a guy who could run away from that offensive line. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, that that really is the difference here because – and Sam has really – he's worked so hard and developed really a lot. He was a guy that we weren't sure was going to make the roster coming out of the summer, and he's been working with Tom House, who's 
you know, helped a lot of great quarterbacks. And you, and really, he was impressive this first game. The, the strides he made as an accurate thrower and and just his calmness in the pocket. He's he's a kid everybody loves. The way he he really doesn't. He's really harder to rattle than most kids of his age. But at the same time, you know, he's he's mostly there because he can run around. He doesn't have he does not have the arm strength or the experience that that other guys do. And Matt Ryan ended up. He also. The thing we got to address too is he has a great two shoulder separation because he got hit so much behind this offensive line. So he's not healthy to start anyway. But they decided they announced the move to Sam Ellinger as a permanent move because I think to me that's kind of an acknowledgement of we don't know how to fix this offensive line. But until they fix that, until they unleash Jonathan Taylor, until they give uh, this offense time to operate, it's just hard to see them getting a whole lot better. Just a quick question before we move on to Ellinger. Um, is is Matt Ryan done? I mean, in, in your mind, do you think he's done or do you think just get him in a better situation and he could still play for a couple more years? It's hard to say. He's going to be 38 next year. The idea when he got here was to start. They, they told everyone he was going to start for at least two years. The owner said hopefully three, maybe four. <laughs> it lasted seven games. Uh they, so it just depends. I mean, I, there are absolutely better situations than this. This is this has just been the opposite of what they thought it would be. So I'm sure in the offseason they'd love to trade him. He's, he's due $18 million here, whether he plays or not. So they would love to find someone who would who would want to take that on. Uh, they couldn't trade him at the trade deadline this week because he's hurt and no one wants to trade for, for a hurt guy who's expensive right now. But – I'm not ruling out that we see him again for the Colts this season because quarterbacks in running backs are not staying healthy behind this offensive line. Jonathan Taylor's gotten hurt. Naheem Hines gotten hurt. Matt Ryan's gotten hurt. Sam Ellinger took a couple shots. Um, you know, he's a younger, fresher body, but like <laughs> they got nine more games to go with this. And if they keep getting quarterbacks hit the way they are, they're going to have to look around. And uh, I, I'm not ruling out, you know, it's, it feels like there's a potential for sort of a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where they try to move on from a guy, but he's still there and the team still loves him and the players still want him to play, but they're playing the younger guy. And then, you know, you just never know what happens. That guy gets hurt. And then there's sort of a, you know, sort of a shift back to that other guy. They also have Nick Foles in the roster too, though. So who knows? They may go with him. Uh, it's very, it's just very confusing, but overall, I think it's, that, that Matt, Matt's handled it with total class because I think he realizes he's running out of time. He's going to be 38 next year. Like he, he could, he's a total pro anyway, but he, it's not in his best interest to sort of force his way off the team right now because yeah, I don't know if anyone else wants him and really his best hope is to, you know, find a lane to step back in this season if something were to happen. But um, it, it it definitely wouldn't be a cleaner or nice situation for anybody if that happened. No, I wouldn't think so. It's like interesting. You mentioned Patriots legend Jimmy Garoppolo there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's really interesting. You mentioned that he ha- he still has a lot of support. The guys like him, and I feel like that's somewhat of a situation we are seeing with Mac Jones, right? A lot, a lot of fans you know, kind of talking about. Oh, yeah, well, look, the way they rally around Zappy, they don't want to play for Mac Jones. It's like you will not find a single Patriots player that expresses anything like that. You talk to these guys who are like, Mac's a dog. Like, he's a warrior. Like, we can't wait for him to get back. 
it's like it, it's not like oh yeah you know he's, he's the starting quarterback uh, you know when he comes back or like oh you know it doesn't matter who's out there you know we'll play for whoever like they they go out of their way to say these things about Mac Jones. So to me, it's not a joke. They're not to say they hate Bailey's happy or anything, but I think they know who the better quarterback is. Yeah. So I, I, now that's an interesting way to put it. Cause that's exactly what's going on here. Like you won't find anybody that says a bad word about Sam Ellinger. Cause he's a, he's a phenomenal kid. He's gone through a lot. He's lost his dad and his brother and he's earned everything he's gotten to this point. But like you said, they, they practice every day with these guys. They can see who throws the ball. They know who they have chemistry with. They know who, what one guy's done league and the other hasn't. So it's not really one versus the other so much as the, you know, there's a reason that Mac Jones was a first round pick and Bailey Zappi was not, you know, there's a reason Matt Ryan has won an MVP and was a first round pick and Sam Ellinger was not. Yeah. And and I, I feel like that's, that's the thing, like, and, and even us, right. We've seen a lot of these guys going back to what, March and April and like in the pre-draft process, but then they get into spring practice and then there's, there's training camp. And like, we've seen a lot of these guys. And I feel like for outsiders, you know, like fans outside perspectives who have seen maybe a couple games, like a couple preseason games, or they saw the couple of games Bailey Zappi was in all of a sudden you think, Oh my goodness, that guy's awesome. He's like, looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it's like, yeah, but we kind of know that he's not. You know what I mean? But let, let's talk about let's talk about Sam here because it, on paper, it looks like Bill Belichick and the Patriots should handle this pretty easily. However, that's what we thought a couple Mondays ago when the Bears came to town and mm-hmm. ran up, down, all around, all over the Patriots, and Justin Fields was just pulling things out of his butt, and everybody's like, what in the world is going on right now? And then, of course, the Patriots go play Zach Wilson and make him look like he shouldn't even be on an NFL football field. So where do you think Sam Ellinger could fit into this? And does he have a little bit of something that could surprise the Patriots? Like, for example, you mentioned he's a little bit more mobile. He moves around a little bit. Patriots don't really defend mobile quarterbacks very well. Is that something they can tap into here? Yeah, I think so. That that was the offense. Colts offense looked stylistically a lot different this past week than they had in any of the games before. They really built, I thought, a nice game plan around Sam's mobility, and they got him. They got him on rollouts, naked bootlegs, and, and things out of the pocket. He's he's a shorter, like six one quarterback, so it helps to get him away from those big bodies. But also, the more he could throw on the move, he's got a developing arm. But you know, when he can he can really run and throw that helps that ball carry just a little bit more. And they did some other things where they, you know, they used him on, on read option plays uh, that helped open up some things. They also, they used him on sort of these, they tried these quarterback sweeps to the edge. Like you see Josh Allen run a lot. Jalen hurts. It, it didn't work uh, because again, they don't, they don't block well enough for a lot of these plays, but the potential is there if they, if they find a way to do that a little bit better uh, because he, he does have some he, it's, he I would say he's a he's a good athlete. He's not he's not Justin Fields though. I mean he's not like he, he's not a Lamar Jackson type, you know. Right. You know, that that's where I think is different is Justin Fields is so so electric that once the Bears it would drove me crazy watching that team early in the year, just ask him to drop back and throw from the pocket and not realize he's a four three athlete. 
And finally, that game against the Patriots was the first time I was like, all right, this is what it should look like, where they actually built a little bit more of an offense around him getting the perimeter and actually designed runs, not just scrambles. So the, the Colts are going to do a lot of that stuff. They're actually mirroring their offense a lot after the Eagles because Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator here, and he's very close with Frank Reich. And Jalen Hurts, you know, is a mobile quarterback. They're trying to – they're very much trying to take that model where you use the quarterback for what he's good for, his legs, and get him out of situations where he's not going to be as good, which is throwing for the pocket, kind of the opposite of the early Bears this season. So I do think the Colts will roll out – you know, they'll, they'll – they'll, roll out their best plan. I don't know how well, if it'll be super well oiled or not, because firing the guy who led the offensive meetings in the middle of the week is a little chaotic. Uh, but Sam, the thing about Sam though, is he very much knows who he is and who he's not. He, he's not going to, he's not going to try to make throws that, that just are a lot. He's not going to throw across his body. He really avoided danger. Well, except he, he ended up fumbling, which has just been an issue for everybody. So there is some element of surprise, uh, but the best chance for that surprise was also last week. They put some of this stuff on film already. Of course, you know, Bill Belichick's probably watched that 85 times already, uh, knowing how he operates. So there's still some things I think they can add to that, uh, but I don't, th- I don't think they have the same upside as the Justin Fields offense because the guy running it doesn't have a 4-3 speed. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll it'll be interesting to see how much they they do use it though, because some of it is just straight up dynamic athleticism, right? I mean, it it, it interests me though because Lamar Jackson they knew he was going to run back in what week three, and he still tore him up. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? You you had so much time to prepare for this, years years of this, and he still got you. So I'm 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 curious to see how it goes. I mean, I don't expect. Sam Ellinger to have like, you know, a hundred yards rushing or something like that necessarily, but they just, they haven't defended it very well. I'm curious to see because Christian Barmore, it looks like he, he has a chance to, to get back this week, but he's been out the last couple of weeks and without him, that front has looked very ordinary. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how an ordinary front matches up with a below average offensive line, which is, well, again, that's what we thought the bears had. And, well, that didn't really work out. So, we'll, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. that. I'd say that the, the Colts have over the Bears in this respect is Jonathan Taylor is yeah. truly electric, and he's starting to look that way again. They're not they're not on the field enough for it to get the number of carries to really look that way, but he, he's he's dynamic as the Patriots saw last year. And so, I think when you combine that with a quarterback who can force a defense to have to respect the read option that he might end up keeping it. That can open up some things. And they started to do that last week. The concern though, is that Jonathan Taylor is dealing with an ankle injury and he missed practice yesterday. And just the moves they're making where they added, you know, they traded for Zach Moss and they signed another back to the practice squad. It indicates to me that this is very much up in the air of whether he's going to play this week. If he doesn't, it'll be Deion Jackson, who's a second year undrafted kid who's come a long way too, but you know, he's, he hits the whole well and all that he's, he, but he does not have the explosive speed of Jonathan Taylor. And so, so be interesting. If Taylor is out there and if he looks, if he can be somewhat fresh, I do think the combination of those two is a good rushing threat. Again, though, if they get some kind of element of blocking, which, you know, I don't know if we can count on. Yeah. We've talked a lot about offense so far. 
I want to talk about a little bit of defense here because you you mentioned it before that the defense certainly hasn't been bad, but they haven't taken the ball quite away as much. You're going up against uh, the the most uh, takeaway or, or rather the most giveaway prone offense in the league uh, so far. So so that'll be an interesting one. But I mean, Bill Belichick sounds plenty worried about DeForest Buckner for good reason because DeForest Buckner's really good. And then Shaq Leonard. I mean, it looks like he's probably on track to play again. He played last week. So where do you think this defense could challenge a Patriots offense that still doesn't quite have it yet with Mac Jones? Yeah, I think it has to start with DeForest Buckner and the guy right next to him, Grover Stewart. Those two are just playing out of their minds right now. Like they're, they look like the best. I'd be shocked if there's a better, you know, nose tackle and, and three technique combination in the league. They're just blowing. I mean, just blowing up run plays off the off the jump. We call uh, we call Grover Stewart the guard butcher because almost every play he just throws the guard down. He cannot be blocked one on one. Well, that, DeForest, that, sounds, that sounds like great news for Cole Strange. <laughs> yeah, and then DeForest Buckner is is that, but also he's a little bit more versatile. They move him out to defensive end. He's He's a very unique player because he's six seven, and he's he's got the mass to be a defensive tackle, but he's got the length and the athleticism to play defensive end. So they'll move him around. On um, really, what teams or teams should try and do is avoid those two run out, you know, run to the perimeter and run just away from anywhere but the middle. I, it was stunning. The Commanders last week went for it on fourth and one, ran right up the middle, and I mean. All the entire interior was just blown up, and a linebacker had just a free play to throw him back down the backfield. And I don't know why anybody tries that against this team when that's the one thing that they do super, super well. So, what could be key this week for that though is they they might they should get Quiddy payback at defensive end. He's missed a few games with an ankle injury. He's a first round pick from uh, last season, and he really was coming along as a run defender as much as a pass rusher, like setting the edge. When you have those three out there, Pay, Buckner, and, and Grover, this is a really hard team to run on. Their linebackers track it well, too. So that's really the, the area I think they could be really stout. And that would help them in this matchup to you know find a way to put the game on the, the Patriots passing game, which, you know, it sounds like they're going in and out with quarterbacks and there's some, there's some turnover opportunity if they can get to that. Uh, but that's kind of where I think they have to hope for. The, the thing with Shaq Leonard is – it's been one of the weirdest parts of the season is that he's he's only played in two games. Uh, this past week was one of the two. He played 24. He's played 40 total snaps on the season because he's just dealing with this back injury that will that just doesn't seem to be going away. He had back surgery in the offseason, and it's this constant battle of getting the nerves to fire right and get to respond right and get in the right shape. And he did not look like himself last week at all. Yeah, that may just be the first game back. Um, not sure about that. So that's what's been a big drop off. Those last year, he had a he had a hand in 15 different takeaways, including a pick of Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has this way of when he's at his best of punching the ball out when guys have the ball, but also he really baits quarterbacks into these throws across the middle, picks them off, and then can return them because he's super fast. We just we it's been so long since we've seen that healthy version of him that I, I don't know that. I wouldn't be expecting it. I, you know, you'd like to think that that guy's still in there. And if it is, if it is, that's what this team defense needs to get the turnovers. Cause they kind of have everything else for the most part. They're getting, you can have a really good run defense. Um, they've got some pass rush with Buckner and 
Um, and Yannick Ngakwe can, can do some things. They've got good cornerbacks like uh, like Stephon Gilmore, former Patriot, um, yeah. is having a really, really nice year. But they haven't gotten the, t- the takeaways because, number one, they don't put a lot of teams in that situation because their offense doesn't score enough. But also, they haven't had the real Shaq Leonard out there who's the number one takeaway player they have. So they've got to hope that he is getting closer to what he's been, and that can kind of turn a pretty good defense into a really good defense. Yes. Now, prediction time. What you got here? Um, I'm going to have to go with the Patriots in this one. It's just a tall task for the Colts in the second game with Sam Ellinger to go to Foxborough against the Bill Belichick defense and win. I know they did that at home last year, but that was a different that, – that felt like such a moment for the city at night, prime time, once they got a blocked punt. And I just don't know that that same thing is there on the road. The main thing to me is really still it's, – it's all the health – for me, it's all about the health of Leonard and, and, uh, and Jonathan Taylor. Those two had huge roles in them winning last season. And if they're both out there, then this can change. But I, based on what I've seen so far, I don't, I don't think you can trust that. And if those guys aren't impact players – I don't think this team has enough. So I would I'd go with the Patriots and a game that's not going to light up the offensive, uh, you know, the scoreboard. I'd, I I would say something probably like uh, something like 17 to 14. The Colts are only averaging 16 points a game. They've only crossed 20 once this season. So yeah. this feels like it's going to be in that same range. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you on the Patriots. Uh, there's still that little bit of pause in me that keeps saying like, oh, I don't know, man, like, could this, could this be Monday night part two? But I think, I think that maybe was part of it. Just the weirdness of a Monday night game in Foxborough and the the vibes it was given off. I feel like a a 1 PM game, you know, pretty standard stuff against a backup quarterback. It feels like the Patriots should win this game and get and, and and stay in the win column after that little blip on the radar. Again, I think there might be a little bit of, okay, a surprise factor perhaps, but I ultimately think they should probably handle the, the Colts offense, even though they're not an amazing defensive team themselves up front and they've got linebacker issues, which if you can get to the second level on this team, that could be a problem because they don't have the linebackers to really be able to, to plug up some of these holes and, and clean things up if the if the front isn't getting it done. But I I think ultimately the Patriots are good enough to handle the Colts. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, no, I definitely do. And it's it is interesting what you bring up about the second level because that's been the thing that the Colts did so well last year and haven't done this year is getting Jonathan Taylor to that second level. If he plays, they I do think their run game is coming together with Sam with the offensive line is getting a little bit better, at least to give Taylor a crease to be the freak that he is. And he is a guy that if he gets a second level block, I mean, it can go from, uh, you know, it can be, he, he it can a five yard touchdown run like he did last year. Um, I remember that run against the Patriots last year. He, he got so far out in front. He was looking back to the sideline to see whether he should kneel the ball down. Like that's how fast he is in the open field when they can get him there. But again, the combination of, Blocking hasn't been there. His ankle's a little banged up. I can't count on that until I can see it. But that would be the route for the Colts to win is they they finally get the Jonathan Taylor game, and, and that's kind of what they ride. All right, we'll see if we get that. 
That is Nate Atkins of the Indie Star. Looking forward to. Are you going to be down there at Gillette? You're going to come down. I'll be there. All yep. right. I'll, I'll try try and tap you on the shoulder. See if I can catch you while we're out there. And thanks for breaking this down with me, man. This has been First in Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you are downloading, subscribing, streaming, listening on the Free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you on Sunday.